Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Juice on the Cues podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Good morning, Syracuse. Welcome back to the Juice on the Cues podcast. Thanks so much for joining us on this Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. I'm your host, Wes Chang. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you out there. And let's talk a little Syracuse basketball at the top of the show. Syracuse has six games left in the 2023 regular season. They host number 23, NC State, at the Dome tonight for what could be a Quadrant 1 game down the line. NC State is currently ranked 36 in net, and you get a Q1 win for a home win over a top 30 team. Right after that, Syracuse hosts Duke in another Q2 game that could be a quad one game because they're ranked 31st in net. And after that, they go on the road. Two quad one games on the line at Clemson and at Pitt. Then they host Georgia Tech and Wake Forest to close the season what are decidedly quad three and quad two games. Right now, Syracuse isn't making the tournament, but if they go five and one in the stretch, pick up a couple quad one wins and then maybe two or three wins in the ACC tournament, Maybe that puts them back in the conversation for an NCAA bid. There's still plenty of basketball left. It's too early to definitively state Syracuse is going to the NIT. Let's just see how the next few weeks play out. Meanwhile, Syracuse is actively working on its 2024 class. Earlier this month, Elijah Moore committed to Syracuse. That's the Orange's first commitment since Judah Mintz in March of 2022. There was definitely a lag for a while, and I can understand why Syracuse fans were getting nervous. They still don't have a 2023 commit. But I think Elijah Moore's commitment was just huge for the psyche of the fan base. And there's plenty more to talk about in 2024 with Boogie Flan, Damaris Owens, Marcus Adams Jr. among the players Syracuse is actively pursuing. But certainly don't take my word for it. We bring on Rivals Basketball Recruiting Director Rob Cassidy to talk more about Syracuse basketball recruiting. Rob, always a pleasure. How are you today? It's going. How are you? Yeah, Rob, doing well. I, I want to get you started on this one. 2024 three-star wing Demarius Owens is making his decision on Wednesday. Syracuse, Virginia Tech, and Marquette are in his final three. You made a future cast on him earlier on Monday. Where is he leaning and why? Yeah, it seems like everybody in his camp thinks it's going to be Marquette. Now, I don't have that, obviously, on 100%. So if it's Syracuse, it would be a small surprise to me. I think only just because... They haven't come at him, Syracuse being they, haven't come at him the way that they've come at other guys like Elijah Moore, uh, kind of with the full bag of NIL stuff. Uh, and that's kind of what you hear these days leading into a commitment. Uh, it seems like those conversations have happened at Marquette. That's kind of my reason for the future cast. Now, like I said, I, I don't have anything on 100% facts here, so I won't be floored if it is Syracuse. I think they're definitely the other contender. I don't think Virginia Tech has any chance. Um, but I expect it to be Marquette, and we'll see if that's correct on Wednesday. Sounds good, Rob. And you talked a lot about Marcus Adams Jr. in your mailbag last week. What's the latest on him? And Syracuse offered his younger brother Maximo over the weekend. So what are your thoughts on the Adams family? Yeah, you know, I think that they obviously know what they're doing there. I don't know a ton about Maximo yet. I haven't seen him a lot. Um, But, yeah, I think they're definitely a player, um, like I said, in the mailbag. And I saw he got a bunch of offers. (laughs) The day that mailbag came out, (laughs) three other schools offered him. Um, So, I don't know. I think there's a long way to go there. 
Um, I think that they've definitely put themselves in position to be in position, to borrow a phrase from Rothstein. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't call it a lock, but I would call it a lock that they will be, you know, they'll be punching for him at the end. Will they land him? I don't know. That's probably going to come down to numbers and money and everything else like recruiting does these days. But uh, they've got themselves in the hunt, I think. Rob, going back to earlier in the month, Syracuse landed a commitment from Elijah Moore. You've seen plenty of him over the last few years. Is this a guy that's going to come in and contribute right away for the Orange? It really kind of depends on what they're looking to use him for. I mean, he is an elite shooter. I mean, make no mistake about it. He can come in and he can shoot at the level. They can shoot anywhere, right? That's the most important skill you have. Uh, and he's a three-point specialist. <laughs> now, does he need to beef up it's to really play major minutes? In the ACC, probably. He's still a little bit skinny. Um, he's got some development to go from a ball handling standpoint. Um, but he is the kind of player that can come in and make a splash right away. Uh, if he does, you know, beef, he doesn't need to become Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he's just going to beef up a little bit, I think. Uh, and the shooting is there. You know, I think he's the kind of guy that can impact the game as freshman year as a shooter, uh, as a specialist for sure. Whether or not he'll be a starter will depend, you know, much on the roster, I guess, which I don't really know how that'll look by the time Elijah gets there. Um, but, yeah, I think he's got a chance as far as the skill development standpoint, for sure. Rob, kind of a catch-all question here, but who else should we be paying attention to in the 2024 class? Uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's like as soon as we get off the phone and I have the list of recruits in front of me, I should probably go through and be like, okay. I know they really are trying, <laughs> trying with Boogie Flans. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to get in there the way that they want to. But if they don't, you know, I was actually having a conversation about Boogie with one of his coaches this morning. It won't be for lack of Syracuse trying. <laughs> now, <laughs> will they be able to do it? I don't know. I know that, you know, that they've had those conversations, um, you know, about, you know, how it would work and how the fit would work. And I think Boogie's intrigued to some extent. I wouldn't say they're among the favorites to land them, but I would, I would watch that closely because I think they are going to put on a, a press. Whether or not that'll work or not is anybody's guess, but I think they fancy themselves as involved anyway. And Rob, we'll get you out of here on this one. We'll open up the mailbag, and we've got Caleb from Ontario who asks, are Marcus Adams and Elijah Moore in for a bump when the new 2024 Rivals rankings come out? Yeah, I think Adams is probably a pretty good lock um, to, to have a, a rankings. But Moore will probably slide up a little bit too. Uh, I would expect a giant jump from Elijah. I mean, we've already got him ranked. I don't know where. I have that in front of me. I know he's somewhere in the top 100. Um, but he's played well enough, I think, a high enough profile school, and they've played a national schedule to where I think you can see him raise a spot or two. I think Adams will make a bigger jump, obviously. Thank you, Rob. Again, Rivals Basketball Recruiting Director Rob Cassie. Rob, we'll catch up with you soon. Hey, anytime you want. I'm, I'm here for you, so I appreciate, appreciate you having me on. Rob Cassidy, ladies and gentlemen, you can catch all the latest recruiting news in the college basketball world on basketballrecruiting.rivals.com. It's really interesting to hear how Syracuse is doing in the 2024 cycle, mainly because I'm not sure who's going to be coaching Syracuse by that point. We've all heard about Jim Beheim's interview with ESPN's Pete Thamel, where Beheim said he's going to, quote, probably, end quote, come back next season. But the 2024 cycle is two years away, so that may be the bridge year between Beheim and Jerry McNamara or Red Archery or whoever the next coach may be. So that's always going to be interesting to pay attention to. We'll take a quick break. I'll be joined by the Juice Online's Aiden Stepanski after. I'm Wes Chang. This is the Juice of the Juice podcast. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? 
Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It was all basketball all the time at the top of the show, but of course, Syracuse Lacrosse started season early in February and they're now 3-0. and the Orange started the season unranked, but after their 3-0 start, they're up to 16th in the latest coaches poll, 18th in the media poll, so great start for them. And we welcome on the Juice Online lacrosse writer, Aiden Stepanski, to talk more about the team. Aiden, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Aiden, doing well. And you were at the Dome for Syracuse lacrosse wins over Albany and Holy Cross over the weekend. They weren't perfect, but they look awfully good in moving to 3-0. What did you see in those games? Yeah, well, you know, coming off the uh, Vermont game, they were kind of sluggish, but, you know, it's a young team, so it was kind of expected that they wouldn't really click right away uh, offensively, but you could tell that kind of the foundation of the defense was there. And then, so, uh, Friday night against uh, Albany, you know, it, it kind of all just came together. I mean, the defense continued to dominate just like they did against Vermont, but this time the offense um, was kind of clicking a little more. You could definitely tell through, uh, they were unselfish. They were making great passes. They were making the, the next pass, which, which they kind of really didn't do it in the Vermont game. And they kind of um, were a little bit more unselfish and trying to create the best shot, even if it wasn't their shot, if it was their teammate's shot. So, yeah, they had a great performance there. And then uh, Sunday against Holy Cross, I mean, they really did the same thing. Uh, Holy Cross really helped them out. Uh, Holy Cross had an absurd amount of turnovers. I think it was like in the 20s maybe uh, compared to their like maybe eight or nine turnovers. So it was really just uh, kind of Holy Cross turning the ball over alongside them, kind of using uh, their opportunities correctly and getting a lead uh, quickly and then kind of just protecting the lead throughout the game and continuing to add on. Aiden, Joey Spelina was the number one recruit in the 2022 class, and I know he struggled a bit in his college opener, but, man, he looked really good in his last two games. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I, I mean, Spelina is – well, in the Vermont game, like, he, he scored one goal in 15 shots. And I know a lot of uh, national lacrosse people uh, were saying, like, he's a bust already, which is insane after one collegiate game and stuff. But he scored one goal in 15 shots. So then – Against Al- against Albany, it kind of uh, seemed like he was kind of picking his spots more and not so much forcing his shots as much. And obviously his teammates were helping him a lot. I mean, Alex Simmons had four assists in the game, and they were just really moving the ball well, which kind of helped him a lot as well. And he was kind of just getting better shots. And so against uh, Albany, he scored five out of seven shots, which is pretty efficient compared to one out of 15. And then Holy Cross, he uh, scored five again, 
but this time he was actually able to add two assists, which he doesn't really um, get too many assists. It's not that he doesn't pass. Like, obviously he passes the ball, but it's just he's kind of a scoring uh, first player, and that's just the nature of his game and, and why he's so great. And uh, really, you could just tell, I mean, the against Albany, they uh, actually in the press room, uh, one of the reporters asked uh, the uh, Albany head coach uh, what they thought of Joey. And, I mean, he really just said, you know, Joey's good. He didn't elaborate too much. But, I mean, it's just apparent to everyone uh, in the stadium, in the Dome, and everyone watching the games and seeing Spillina play that, you know, the offense is kind of, if he's on, the offense is on. If he's off, the offense is not really as good. But, yeah, so that's that's Spillina. I mean, Spillina's hopefully going to be here a long time, and it's going to run through him. As good as the offense has been, the defense has been really good too, especially goalie Will Mark. You had to have been impressed by them as well. Yeah, um, you know, against Vermont, I mean, the defense was amazing. And even though the offense scored seven goals, they were still able to win because the defense only gave up five goals. And so you could kind of tell that the defense was going to be a stronger, more consistent part of the team. And um, so then against Albany, I mean, they really uh, shut down uh, I think his name is Graydon Hogg on Albany. He was uh, one of their best scorers and uh, their best returner from last season when Albany uh, actually upset Syracuse in Albany. And um, they really just shut him down from the beginning. And the defense was just able to kind of force bad shots. And then moving into the Holy Cross game, they forced like so many turnovers that just helped the entire team. And Will Mark, I mean, the team gave up six goals in total, but Will, Will Mark only gave up three because the last, like, five or six minutes of the game, you know, they pulled Will Mark, they pulled uh, most of the starting defenders, and, and uh, Holy Cross was able to add three goals. But it's really just the they're putting such great pressure on the shooters of the other team. And the Holy Cross head coach actually said um, that he kind of saw his players kind of, when, he had the, when they had the ball, they were kind of twitching. They had a little yip to um, – kind of their stick and which made them uh, have a lot of turnovers because they just felt the Syracuse players just bearing down on them and kind of when you have an athletic player uh, kind of defending you you know you kind of get a little tighter and you're trying to uh, not make a mistake so you know the defense has just been a really strong suit so far and it's it's really going to be key for the rest of the season when they start to play in the ACC uh, games and uh, Maryland next week. Aiden, perfect segue into my last question. With all due respect to the three teams they just played, they were more tune-up games heading into a tough stretch of the season that begins against defending champion Maryland than two ACC games. It's definitely going to get harder from here on out, right? Yeah, it, it definitely is. And, and it seems like Gate and the players like recognize that, that they realize that you know they got what they needed out of uh, these first three games. They got the wins, but they also um, kind of learned from the games what they're able to do when they're best and stuff like that because it is a young team once again it has a lot of transfers and has a lot of uh, freshmen that are playing big roles like Spelina, Finn Thompson so it's kind of just um, they they know what they have to do and they know what to head and you know Maryland going to Maryland playing against the defending champions it's going to be a tough game but it's a great test to see where they're really at because these three games didn't really tell them where they're at specifically in the higher competition. You know, they took care of business, which is great, but um, they really do need to start facing better competition to see where they're at and if they are going to be contending.
for a national championship. And then you have, after Maryland, you have UNC and Duke, so you're starting to get into ACC play, you know, bigger schools and just better competition overall. So it'll be interesting to see what they uh, look like in those three games, if they kind of have the same scoring, if they kind of press a little more and they uh, kind of don't score as much. So it'll just be interesting to see. Thanks, Aiden. Appreciate the time. Catch up with you soon. Yep. Have a good one. Aiden Stepanski, ladies and gentlemen. Aiden making his debut on the Juice on the Cues podcast. Happy to have him. And he's 100% right. The next game against Maryland is going to be a true bellwether for whether Syracuse lacrosse is back. We'll definitely check back in with Aiden later in the year. And I wanted to close the show on Syracuse guard Judah Mintz. He was named ACC Co-Rookie of the Week. That's the fourth time he's received that honor this year. He's coming off a 16.6 assist performance in Syracuse's win over Florida State last week. He's now averaging 15.4 points. Four and a half assists per game on the season. He's also leading the ACC in steals with a little over two a game. It's another honor for Mintz, who's going to have plenty more honors coming his way at the end of the season. That's it for us. I want to thank my guest today, Rivals Basketball Recruiting Director Rob Cassidy, the Juice Online lacrosse writer Aiden Sapansky. I'm Wes Chang reminding you that I keep a lighter in my back pocket all the time. I'm not a smoker. I just really like certain songs. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast, and we'll see you next time. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.